Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. everybody and welcome to carving it up live right here on twitter as well as the carving it up youtube channel and the grid network youtube channel as always i am bryson carver this is gonna be a fun one tonight folks we got an mlb topic at the end of the show i cannot wait to sink my teeth into that one because i got a lot to say about it the ellie de la cruz situation in cincinnati last night uh or might no i'm sorry it was in washington because it was an empty ballpark my bad washington point being uh i'll get to that later in the show with the whole ellie de la cruz dave martinez whole tiff uh, also going to get into the uh, one NFL topic regarding what Michael Vick, former NFL quarterback, obviously was a, was a superstar in his prime, was talking about Andy Reid and saying, hey, he might be the greatest coach that we have ever seen in the history of the National Football League. And I got to admit, I agree with Mr. Vick, and I'll get to that later in the show. Also, Grant Williams, my man out of the University of Tennessee, go Vols. Grant Williams traded to the Dallas Mavericks. And it's weird. It's a sign-in trade, by the way. Grant got his money. Four years, $53 million in Dallas. It's a weird trade. Not for the Mavs. I like it for the Mavs. But for the, the Celtics, it feels like something may be brewing under the surface here. I'll get to that later in today's show and also at the middle uh, part of the show. Uh, the Knicks doing something that they have not done in a while. Make a mature off-season basketball decision regarding a superstar. Or, sorry. Star player. He's not a superstar, but a star player that they did not trade for. I'll get to that in the middle of today's show. But first, it is, after all, July of 2023, so you know what that means. It's time to talk about Damian Lillard. That's right. So, Damian Lillard's agent. Uh, this is according to a new report. Aaron Goodwin is his agent, by the way was talking about, hey, where does Dame want to go? Like, you know, what's where's his next destination going to be? And we've heard Miami's the front runner. Early on, we heard, hey, the Nets are in the race. Uh, I suggested on Monday, hey, what about Philadelphia? A, a Dame and B tandem could be pretty dangerous in the Eastern Conference. Well, bit of an update here. Aaron Goodwin, Lillard's agent, told Barry Jackson, uh, who's a Heat beat reporter, Aaron Goodwin said, quote, I do what I should for my client. Some teams I did call. Other teams have called me. It's a respectful relationship with both teams. Truthfully, he wants to play in Miami. Period. I'm going to emphasize the period at the last. No, he literally said that, period. Okay, so based on Dame's agent, this isn't according to sources. This isn't, you know, uh, no disrespect to any of the insiders, Woj or, or Wendy or, or Shams or anybody, Chris Haynes. This is coming straight from Damian Lillard's agent, okay? So this is about as close to the actual source as you can possibly get in terms of who's involved at the center of this, that obviously being Dame. Here's the, 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 real, the real trick of this, this Portland trade negotiations, trade, trade talks with other teams, be it with the Miami Heat, be it with anybody else. The problem with Miami, and this is why I've said from the start, this is going to have to be a three-team deal. Because simply put, Miami does not have the assets to give the Portland Trailblazers in exchange for a player as good as Damian Lillard is. I think he's the 10th best player in all basketball. I absolutely think he's in that top 10, just a shade above guys like De'Aaron Fox and Anthony Davis. Reports are that Miami wants to give up Tyler Hero in a deal. And as I talked about on Monday... Tyler Hero, you saw he removed Miami Heat guard from his Twitter handle uh, bio. So he's like, I'm out. I'm out on this. Uh, I'm out of Miami. 
He even took a picture of him, uh, I think on his profile of him in a heat uniform. He even that took that off and replaced it with something else. But the reports are that Portland doesn't want Tyler Hero. Now, to a certain degree, I sort of get that because Portland is not exactly short on guards. They're like the Warriors, but rebuilding. You know, the Warriors, I think I counted, have like six or seven guards on the roster. Portland has plenty of them. Most of them are their key star players. Obviously, Dame's still with them. You obviously got Scoop Henderson you just drafted. Uh, Anthony Simons is more of a wing. Shaden Sharp's definitely more of a two-guard, an athletic two-guard. So adding Tyler Hero, you're just seem to getting, be getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Obviously, guys like Yusuf Nurkic, you know, giving you and, and Jeremy Grant giving you a little bit of size uh, on the perimeter and down low. There comes a point in time, and I've said from the beginning that Portland's the type of organization, and they have the type of relationship with Damian Lillard in that both sides work to for for what the, the what's the, whatever's the best for both teams, whatever's best for Dame and his team, being his representation, being his agent. And what's best for the Blazers? I'm not sure that coincides with the Miami Heat. Now, I'm not ruling Miami completely out, but I think this will have to be a three-team deal in order to get this done. By the way, we've seen a lot of those this offseason, these three-team deals. We just saw one yesterday with the Mavs, uh, the Celtics, uh, and the Spurs with the whole Grant Williams deal. And Reggie Bullock was involved. I just don't know if you can get a a, a two-team deal in between in between Portland and Miami to get a solid deal done where both sides win. Obviously, Miami wins are going to get Dame. And I was even talking to a buddy of mine the other day about, hey, and he was telling me, it was actually Grady Edwards, shout out to Grady. Uh, Grady was saying, hey, could you give up Bam Adebayo? I don't know if Bam Adebayo should be an untouchable, meaning that you know the, the Miami Heat at no, at, uh, at no cost, no situation whatsoever, should they give up a guy like Bam Adebayo? And I've said, and I, I told Gray, and I'll say the same thing to him that I said on, I'll say on this show. I'm not so sure that Miami can give up Bam, because if they do, you tell me, folks. Where's their size and where's their interior defense? Bam had a rough Eastern Conference Finals, had a solid first two rounds against Milwaukee and against the New York Knicks. I thought he had a very good, by his standards, like fringe All Star. By his standards, had a pretty good NBA Finals considering he's guarding a guy who I think currently is the best player in all basketball, Nikola Jokic. So would a Jimmy-Dame duo be very good in the East? Of course it would be. Of course it'd make the playoffs and probably win a series. Maybe two. But once you get to the Eastern Conference Finals, once you're going to need a little bit more size, because that's the thing about the East. East has plenty of it. Milwaukee's big. Philadelphia's big. Boston's big. They just got bigger, adding Porzingis with Al Horford, with Robert Williams. So if you're Miami, you're trying to pair a trio of Dame, Jimmy, and Bam Adebayo. Whatever you can do to make that happen, you'll do. But for Portland, I don't know if that works for them. I don't know if they're in a situation where they, they, they can Miami's assets necessarily benefits them. So I've said Philadelphia is not a bad deal. You get a Tobias Harris, who's an 18-point-per-game scorer, maybe a P.J. Tucker, who's a good veteran presence, some draft picks. Like, I think Philadelphia has the way better package. It's why I've suggested do a Philadelphia-Portland Clippers trade where Harden ends up in L.A. because we know the Clippers are very, very uh, dead set on trying to acquire James Harden. So all three sides win in that regard in terms of what they want. So if I'm Miami, if the, and listen, Pat Riley, he is the evil genius as I've dubbed him. He, listen, Pat Riley knows all. He'll make something happen. That's what he does. I don't know what the negotiation uh, status is right now. I have a hard time believing it's two teams, be it Portland and Miami. Not to say that Portland, again, again, both sides will look to do what's in the best interest of the other. We understand that. And I'm not saying Portland's going to ship him off to Utah because there's been some reports, hey, you know, Dame, he played at Weber State. That's in Utah, right? There's a connection that I don't think that's going to be a, a, a something that, that comes to fruition whatsoever. Because Dame is at the stage of his career. He's 33 years old. He's probably got, got another two to three years left of his absolute prime. Given how he plays, he's a, obviously a fantastic shooter. One of the better scorers we've got in the game. Can get his own shot from virtually anywhere on the floor. He wants to go to a team that's ready to win now. I think that's really the whole point of him forcing a trade out of Portland. Otherwise, him going to Utah is just <laughs> Portland with a cooler mountain range and skiing. That's what that is. 
Utah's in a very similar situation. You could argue further along because Utah did make a push toward the end of the season for the playoffs. But be that as it may, I'm not sure if a strictly Portland to Miami trade is definitely in the best interest of Miami. Not sure it's in the best interest of Portland. Given especially the fact that the Heat lost Gabe Vincent in free agency to the Lakers, Caleb Martin is drawing interest from other teams. So you start to get to a point where you're like, okay, what do we give up? Do they give up the kid Haquez, who, had, who played very well in the summer league? You guys know how I feel about him. I talked about him during the draft a few weeks ago with my man Mike Guido, uh, the kid out of UCLA. I think he's going to be a, I'm not going to say all-star level, but a very, very productive NBA player. Do you include him in a deal? Um, I, I know there's been, yeah, again, Tyler Hero is going to probably have to be involved in some type of trade. I just doubt it's going to be to Portland because Portland reportedly doesn't want Tyler Hero. It's a very, very confusing back-and-forth situation between those two teams. But we'll see what happens. It, it's you know I read a report last week that, that said it's probably going to take up to two, three weeks maybe to get this deal done, which for a player of the caliber of Damian Lillard, you certainly both teams aren't going to want to do a, a split-second decision trade. So we'll see. Uh, but I'm pulling for Dame. I hope Dame ends up on a contender for his sake because I've been a Dame fan for for a long time. And and listen, I, I've been a listen. I'm a, I'm a Warriors fan, obviously before before anything else. But as far as Miami, listen, Heat fans know how I feel about the city, the fan base, and how well run the organization is. So if they're rewarded with Damian Lillard, then hats off to him. I think they'll be the favorites out east if that happens. But it'll have to be a three, three team trade. Next uh, next topic in the NBA. I want to preface this segment by saying this because I feel like it's very, <laughs> it's very, very important to to distinguish this and to to put this out there. I am not a conspiracy theorist. I think people who create conspiracy theories are weird, odd, and need to get lives. They're strange people. Very strange. I'll leave that there. But there was something that happened in the NBA between the Dallas Mavericks, the Boston Celtics, and the San Antonio Spurs. That left me at a loss of words for one individual organization. Here's the deal. The big fish in this trade is Grant Williams, my guy at the University of Tennessee. He's had a solid NBA career up to this point. was a very good role player for the Boston Celtics for the last few years. He is now going to the Dallas Mavericks in the sign-and-trade portion of this deal. He gets a four-year, $53 million contract, so makes about $12, $13 million a year. So shout-out to Grant uh, and, and getting his uh, and getting his money. I think he's, he's been, a, again, a very productive role player. Had a big-time Game 7 against the Milwaukee Bucks. If you remember, I think he scored like 27 points, hit like seven threes or something crazy, seven or eight threes for the Celtics to help them advance past Milwaukee last year in the second round. So he's a very good player uh, coming off the bench. The Mavs get Grant Williams. The Spurs get Reggie Bullock, who's a good knockdown shooter, and an unprotected Dallas pick swap way down the road seven years from now in 2030. So that, that's kind of irrelevant. The Celtics get multiple, it's no, it's no set number, at least what we've seen to this point, multiple second round picks. Hmm. Now, a skeptic would be like, well, yeah, Boston's just trying to get whatever they can for Grant Williams because they were going to lose him in a free agency anyway. You might as well get involved in a sign-in trade. Sure. But all they get is multiple second-round picks. Does that ring a bell for anybody? The whole second-round picks thing? Remember when the Milwaukee Bucks at the trade deadline traded multiple second-round picks? Might have been four for Jay Crowder. Remember soon after when my Golden State Warriors traded Multiple second-round picks to bring back Gary Payton the second. Seeing where Boston is today, they traded Marcus Smart, who was sort of that like their 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 head in the locker room, the leader of that of, of that team. And then again, Grant Williams was going to leave anyway, but you know you get something for him in a sign-in trade in this three-team deal. Boston's now in an odd situation where they've got three. Very good score. Tatum's an elite score. Tatum's a 30-point-per-game guy. Jalen Brown is a borderline elite score, all-star level player. And then Porzingis, a trade that I think is odd for, for, for Boston. Again, I, I said when the trade happened a few weeks ago, I didn't really have any, any strong feelings towards the Porzingis to, to Boston trade, but I understood it to a certain extent. 
But Porzingis is a 23-point-per-game guy, 50% shooting around you know, mid-30s from three. Like, he's a, he's a good scorer. His question is, is, how good is he in the locker room, health, and defense? But scoring the basketball, that's not Porzingis' weakness by any stretch of the imagination. And they've got size. they got Al Horford. they got Robert Williams. Malcolm Brogdon's coming off the bench, but Malcolm Brogdon, if you remember, is having some serious, uh, I think it's a wrist problem, if I'm not mistaken, that he's dealing with. Had to play through, through during the, the playoffs and in particular the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't I wanted I don't want this to be my 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 windy moment, my Brian Windhorse moment. You know, what about the Utah Jazz? What about the Utah Jazz? What about the Boston Celtics? Do they plan to use this to acquire a point guard? Because if they're using it to acquire a role player, well, they just traded him in, in Grant Williams. They just traded another in Marcus Smart. So it'd be, it'd be very, very odd. Boston's, listen, Brad Stevens done a solid job uh, with that organization since becoming uh, their de facto general manager. I'm curious what the strategy is behind this. Not doubting it. Not saying it's wrong, but multiple second-round picks and a deal where a very good role player, Grant Williams, goes to Dallas. By the way, Mavs are having a solid offseason for the most part. And the Spurs get Reggie Bullock. It's like, well, why doesn't Boston? Why doesn't Boston get Reggie Bullock? He's a good knockdown shooter. Again, as I've said time and time again on this show throughout this offseason, kind of been my theme. You can never have enough of two, what two things? Shooters and wings. Never have enough of those. Well, Reggie Bullock's a shooter. And he's going to San Antonio now. I'm just, I'm just throwing this out there. Again, I don't believe in conspiracy theories. I think that, that garbage is nonsense. I'm just saying Boston has, Boston has a plan. Remember Elizabeth Warren when she ran for president three years ago? She had a plan. So she made sure you know that she had a plan. I think the Boston Celtics have a plan. They're just not saying it. All they get is multiple second-round picks in this deal. Do they plan to package maybe that and an Al Horford to the Clippers for in a deal? By the way, to the Clippers for a or not to the Clippers to the um to the 76ers for for James Harden. I've said Harden works in Boston. The question is. Will the Sixers deal in the Boston? Because that those two are kind of been, you know, I, I hesitate to use the R word rivals because again, the Sixers haven't beaten the Celtics in the playoffs in years. It's been kind of a one-sided rivalry, if you ever even want to call it that. I'm just saying. It's 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 a fair conversation to have. Can we at least say that? It's it's a fair conversation to have. Let's see. John Rivera, Fan Perspective Podcast. What's up, John? John. He's in the comments. He says Mavs having a good offseason, not spending crazy. I agree. I think Grant helps in Dallas. He's a good knockdown three-point shooter, solid defender, good locker room guy, all things that Dallas needs. Uh, and again, they've added a lot of size this, this offseason. So Maps have had a Maps have had a good offseason. I'm with you, John John. They, they, they are better today than they were at the end of the season, and that's always the goal for every team. And John John also says second round picks are the new trend because no because nobody has any first round picks. Yeah, yeah, that's that seems to be the the, the situation. Again, I think the second I think you hit on a good point, John John. The whole second round picks thing seems to be a a real sort of uh, I guess that's the best word to use is trend. Uh, you know, around the NBA because of what happened to the trade deadline with Jay Crowder and with Gary Payton. Just, just throw this out there again. Uh, you know, Wendy had the viral moment last year with the Jazz and with, with uh, Royce O'Neal. I'm just saying, what about Grant Williams? It's very odd. Just, I saw that trade yesterday, and I was like, first thing I thought was like, hey, good for Grant. He got his money. He's going to a, a solid team in Dallas that could really use him. And the second thing I saw for Boston, I'm like, man, Boston got the, Boston got the least of anybody in this deal. Uh, second round picks? Eh. Let's see. Oh, Patrick Brown. I, I thought about doing this as a topic for tomorrow's show, but I, listen, I don't care to, to dive into it. Patrick uh, Brown is in the comments, host of the Chaotic Sports Podcast and the Forum Podcast here on the grid. Patrick, Dane wanted to team up with Steph before the CP3 trade was announced. I saw that today, saw that this morning. And, you know, folks might think, oh, my gosh, you got to be just beside yourself. You let, you know, you trade for CP3, and Dane wanted to go there, you know, all along. Okay. It, by the way, 
I wish I still, gosh, I wish I still had the graphic. I deleted it because you got to keep a certain amount of graphics here on, um, on this, on StreamYard, which is what I use to, to do my live shows. I literally, honest to God, look it up. Just three, was it three weeks ago? It was about three weeks ago. I propose an exact trade between the Portland Trailblazers and the Golden State Warriors. I said, and this again, Jordan Poole was still on the team. I would give away Jordan Poole for a bag of cookies. Uh, it didn't matter. Um, but the trade was Warriors get Damian Lillard. Blazers get Poole. Get out of here. Thank God he's in Washington now. Kaminga, which really hurts because I, I really like Kaminga a lot. And the one that hurts me the most, Clay Thompson. And I've suggested Clay Thompson. You're like, oh my God, how could you get rid of the one of the founding? Think of him as like one of the founding fathers, the three amigos, as I've called them from time to time, of this dynasty. Well, Clay's in the last year of a long-term deal. He's uh, obviously he had a rough postseason last year. And I love Clay. I've said on time and time again on this show, I want to be Clay Thompson when I grow up. Who the heck doesn't? You know, just sailing on those boats to practice and Captain Clay. And he's got a lot of nicknames. Game Six Clay, China Clay back in the day. Him and Rocco. I mean, look, Clay's, Clay's just chilling, right? But I would have done it because Clay is a declining player who's going to want a max deal next year. Golden State might as well get somebody for him. I don't know that post, certainly post CP3 trade, a Dame trade makes no sense for Golden State. They just get smaller. <laughs> they, 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 yes, they had another big time score, but they just get smaller. The only issue with the Dame trade, Golden State probably would have had to give up. Maybe Clay. In that case, I could have lived with it. Probably an Andrew Wiggins. And you don't have a, a scoring six man off the bench. Now they do with CP. So Dame, obviously Dame's significantly better than Chris Paul at this stage of his career. That's not even arguable. I don't know if Dame fits Golden State in terms of what their offseason plan was because now you lose all of your assets. Now you lose your entire bench. It'd be kind of similar to what the Phoenix Suns did in the Bradley Beal trade to a certain degree. Now, Phoenix did a solid job in this offseason of acquiring solid role players. Again, I still think there's plenty of big questions of Phoenix in terms of, you know, do they do they have a point guard? I don't think so. No disrespect to campaign. Uh, are they okay? Are they even decent defensively? And can their star players stay healthy? That's my question for the Phoenix Suns. But they did a solid job filling in their bench. Golden State, would they have been able to do the same given their current cap situation? I don't know. So, listen, a Dame... A Dame... A Dame step backcourt from a deep shooting perspective? Oh, Lord. I mean. Picture yourself wrapped in its softness. Whether you're enjoying a captivating TV show, gathered around a crackling campfire, or cheering for your favorite football team, Minky understands your fall cravings. Our blankets are tailor-made for those heartwarming autumn vibes. With a variety of colors, they're perfect for complementing the hues of fall, as well as showing off your team pride with their vibrant team colors. And the best part? We've got sizes for the whole family, ensuring that everyone can experience the joy of cozying up in Minky's embrace. This fall, let Minky be your companion in creating unforgettable moments. Wrap yourself in comfort, share love, and relish the essence of the season. Minky Blankets, where warmth meets love in every color for every moment. Fall into one of our Minky Couture stores or visit us online at minkycouture.com. Hey, to broke basketball, <laughs> if, that, if that trade was made. The problem is, and st by the way, I've, I've always said Steph is a be much better defender than people give him credit for. Is he Tony Allen? Lord, no. Is he, is he even Marcus Smart? No. But Steph's a good, he's a, by point guard standards, Steph Curry's a good defender. Not a great one, but not a bad one. Uh, Dame's never been great in the defensive end at all. So Clay, while Clay's declining on the defensive end, and again, while I and this hurts my breaks my heart to say, I would not be opposed to a trade involving Clay Thompson for some more impact players, given that he either leaves in free agency or we give him the max. I get that, but Clay's still in, hey, listen, Clay's a better defender than Dame, even at this stage, even with the injuries. He's still agile enough, he's still big enough. Uh, really, Clay Thompson's uh, duties on the defensive end of the floor have been taken by Andrew Wiggins. 
uh, in terms of guarding the best wing player for the other team. We saw Andrew Wiggins guard Luka Doncic in the Western Conference Finals last year. Jason Tatum, which he did a great job on Tatum in the NBA Finals. Did a great job on Luka, too, by the way. And then he took uh, LeBron a lot in the second round. So he's kind of filled that Clay Thompson role. Uh, Patrick says, Rudy Gobert trade messed up the trade market for eternity. I hope it's not for that long. Lesson learned by future teams. Yeah, that's that's that will go down as one of the worst trades in the history of the National Basketball Association. I think that goes without saying. Yeah, John. See, John remembers. He said, I remember, bro. Okay, John Rivera. He, here's what he says. And I really hope you're right, John. John. Clay coming back on a team-friendly deal like Green. Four-year deal. I hope so. Because, again, like the, the thing with Draymond, though, Golden State has cap flexibility from year to year, as you as John John mentioned with the, the team-friendly deal, but Draymond still gets the $100 million that he wanted. Right? So, so Draymond gets his $100 mil, but Golden State gets more cap flexibility, given how the contract is laid out in, in four years instead of three. I thought, it was, I thought for sure it was going to be a three-year deal. It's four. I'm like, great, this gives us so – we can maybe add another role player in the future with this with this money that we would instead be paying to Draymond. I, I, man, John, John, I really hope you're right. I, I, I do. Because um, Lord knows I don't want to trade Clay Thompson. Uh, real quick here, we got a, a little bit of breaking news. I shouldn't say a little bit. This is an all-star level player. Uh, Chris Haynes. Chris Haynes was the rep- first to report this. Uh, all-star guard DeJounte Murray with, you guessed it, Rich Paul, the power agent in the NBA. <laughs> Excuse me. And the Atlanta Hawks have agreed have reached an agreement on a four-year, one hundred twenty million dollar extension. Sources tell NBA and TNT and Bleacher Report. So Dejounte Murray. So Atlanta is buying in this on this duo between Trey Young and Dejounte Murray. They've got obviously one of the better backcourts in all of basketball. Uh, Atlanta is in one of those situations in the NBA where I look at and I say, man, they're kind of stuck. <laughs> you know, they they obviously moved John Collins, got some future assets for 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 him. We understand that, but Listen, and I, by the way, I didn't have a podcast at this point. I was I was so high on Trey Young coming into the 2018 draft. I said I'd take him number one overall. I think it's fair to say Trey Young has, has had a better career than DeAndre Ayton, but of course Luka has turned out to be the best player from that class. And the 2018 class was very good, by the way. You had Jaron Jackson that draft. It was a very good draft class. I don't know if Trey, I know he had the run to the Eastern Conference Finals a couple years ago. I don't discount that. I don't know if Trey's the type of dude you can build around to go win a finals with. Now, if Trey's your second best player, oh, you can absolutely win a championship, 100%. Uh, Atlanta's in a weird spot. But I will say this, uh, you know, to be positive about the Atlanta Hawks, Quinn Snyder's a very good head coach, and Atlanta played solid at the end of the season. Well, listen, they, they, took, they took Boston six games in the first round. And I still think, by the way, I still think Trey Young's like a, right, right around like a top 15 player in the league. He's, he's still a, I mean, he's a, he's a 20, he's a 28 and 11 guy. He's a still a, a very, I shouldn't say still, he's, he's getting better. He's, he's, he's still a young player. So he's, you know, he's still gonna be productive for, for years to come. Somebody who I'm not sure I can say the same about, however, is Paul George. A report came out. This is according to hoopshype.com that recently around this free agent, time period when it started the Clippers and Knicks were discussing a Paul George trade and here's according to hoops hype here's what the deal involves so simply put Knicks get Paul George the Clippers would have gotten Obi Toppin who's now a pacer Quentin Grimes who I really like Evan Fournier and three first round picks that aside, I want to do now what I did to open today's show when I was listing the topics for the show. Let's take a moment and applaud the New York Knicks for making a mature basketball decision. By the way, for the record, I'm a big Paul George guy. I have been on record saying he's far more valuable to the Clippers than Kawhi Leonard has been in the four years that they've been there. The Knicks are trending upwards. I think we all I think we all agree on that. Considering what they did this year with Jalen Brunson, 
with obviously uh, R.J. Barrett, who's who's an ascending player still. Don't think he's going to live up to being what he what folks thought he'd be as the third overall pick, but he's still going to be a very good rotational player for years to come. Hopefully, for the Knicks' sake, in New York. And then for Julius Randle, All Star level player, but you know you're not really sure if his game necessarily translates to winning basketball, especially as many jump shots as he takes. Him not being that good of a shooter. Here's what the Knicks did. They thought, and we, we got to start doing this uh, just in life. I'm talking about myself too. I'm not tr- preaching the choir, or, or not preaching the choir, preaching to the, the congregation without ho- also holding myself accountable. We all got to do what I'm about to say right now to a certain degree better. Look at the big picture. Look long-term. Yeah, Paul George would have helped the Knicks now. They'd have been, if he's healthy, and I'll get to that in just a moment, they would have been a... Four, dare I say three seed in a loaded East? But in the long run, it's, well, Paul George is 33 years old. He is struggling with injuries. Again, more on that in a moment. And they lose all their future assets to maybe make a deal that helps them more in the long run. A deal which I will propose in just a moment. But why it was a good idea, it's not trade for Paul George. I sort of just alluded to it, the injuries. And again, love PG. But his availability has always been in question, at least since he arrived in L.A. with the Clippers the last four years. And obviously, Paul George is not, you know, those legs aren't getting any younger. Those, uh, you know, that NBA body, this is 13 years down in the NBA. It's not getting fresher. Paul George's availability, and we say the best ability is availability with the Clippers, has been this. And this is including the playoffs, by the way. This is games played since the 2019-20 season, number of games played, and percentage of games played since 2019-20. So that first year with the Clippers, 2019-20, he played 51 of a possible 85 games. I'm sorry, yeah, 51 of a possible 85 games uh, with the Los Angeles Clippers. Of course, we all know, blew the 3-1 lead down the bubble against the Denver Nuggets. Uh, Paul George was was a big, uh, you know, played a big big factor in, in that collapse. By the way, that 51 might be a little bit off. Actually, I'm, I'm looking, looking at my stat sheet now. That's That 51 games, hang on, is actually 64. So ignore that first graphic. It's actually 64. Right? I don't know. Hang on. 48. Let's see. 48 games played. Plus 48 plus. Okay, it's actually 61. My bad, folks. It's 61 of a possible 85 games played. So that 60% is a bit off. He played 72% of the Clippers games of the 2019-20 season. I'll see if I can get that updated uh, just a moment. See if I can get this uh, this graphic up real super fast. Hang on. Played 61 of a possible uh, 85 games in that regular season. Go to the next one, though. We'll get that uh, graphic updated in just a moment. The 2020 through 2021 season. He played 80% of the games to his credit. Again, that was a 73-game season plus the playoffs. Again, this is including the NBA playoffs. And he, again, played 73 out of 91. So 80% of the game. So you're thinking, okay, Paul George, age at this point, age 31 years old, you're like, okay, you know, he can, he's, he's proved he can stay healthy over a long period of time. And then the 2021 through 22 season came, and it was not quite as, not quite as smooth, let's just say. Okay, we got the graphic updated. We got the graphic updated right there. He played 31 of a possible 82 games, the Clippers, of course, failed to qualify for the playoffs that year. 38% of games played. And then last season, 2022 through 23 season, played 64% of the games, which ain't, ain't bad. I mean, it's it's not preferable. But he did, of course, did not play a single postseason game. So again, we talk about best abilities, availability. Uh, that's, that's not necessarily been Paul George. Certainly over the last couple of years, and arguably since 2019 through 2020. So the question for him, and the question for the Los Angeles Clippers, and more in particular the New York Knicks, would this have been the best deal for them this season? Yeah, sure. Yeah, they'd have been better. Yeah, it was a trio of Jalen Brunson, 
Paul George and Julius Randle. Yeah, that's a, that's a solid. Julius Randle's the third best player. That's a that's a that's a good trio. Yeah. Your bench isn't gonna be as good, but in the here and now, yeah, it's fine. But in the long term, I'm not just thinking about the bench for the Knicks. You can replace bench players. That's why they're on the bench. Are you ready for this, New York? Some of my listeners are from New York. Are you ready for this? You did not make this deal in the here and now. So that you could in, hey, as soon as a year from now, more more likely to go after Luka Doncic. I've been saying for a week now, really for months actually, that the Kyrie trade at subs and subsequent re-signing during free agency, because as I've said, the Mavs literally did not have a choice given the assets that they gave up for Kyrie, spelled the beginning of the end of Luka Doncic in a Mavs uniform. We know that just a couple of years ago, he had some issues with the head coach in Rick Carlisle. Well, they're like, okay, let's move on from Rick Carlisle. It doesn't look like we're going anywhere fast with him. Obviously, they hired Jason Kidd, and what do you know? They're in the Western Conference Finals. So obviously, that was the right decision. I think Rick Carlisle is a good coach for the record, but Jason Kidd was more suited for what the Mavs wanted to do right now with Luka, and at the time, Jalen Brunson. Is it crazy to say that with... Luka Doncic, and we know he, he he said he wasn't having, I remember he had a quote talking about that he wasn't having fun playing basketball, which listen, basketball or any sport for that matter isn't fun when you're losing, of course. But a little correlation in the Kyrie trade. There's been a lot of teammates who've been frustrated with Kyrie over the years. A lot of organizations who he's brought down since leaving the Cavaliers. It's a great to say Luka asked out of Dallas and Oh, well, you know, the New York Knicks, an ascending team in the Eastern Conference with good young players and a good point guard to build around, Jalen Brunson, and a good coach in Tom Thibodeau and the most iconic arena in all of the NBA. All of a sudden, they have the assets for Luka, who is available, who, while he's not the defensive player Paul George is, is a better scorer, is a better playoff performer. I just uh, think it makes sense. I'm not, I'm not, I'm just, just throwing it out there. It's a fair assumption to make. John Rivera, PG, Paul George is not worth three firsts. Depends on the team. The Knicks, I agree with you. That's why I applaud them not making the steal. But a team like, say, the Milwaukee Bucks, Maybe. Yeah, you... Now, of course, now with them bringing Middleton back, it really wouldn't make any sense at all bringing Paul George in. But in in a in a make-believe world, let's say Chris Middleton left and you sort of have that that good wing scorer uh, void that, that isn't filled. Well, you'd like to get Paul George teamed up with Drew Holiday, with Giannis, with Bobby Portis, now with Brooke Lopez coming back. I mean, that that's a, <laughs> that's a championship-level roster. Again, the price is all determined based on uh, based on who wants them the most. Evidently, the Knicks didn't. Otherwise, they would have made the steal. But they're, th- they're thinking in the long run. And I'm not saying they're necessarily thinking about Luka. I'm saying it's a it's a possibility. It will it will now, by them not making this decision, it will now be an option down the road. So props to Leon Rose, the president of basketball operations in New York, for making this uh, for making this deal. Uh, real quick, we got a free agent news. Looks like this just came in from, is this Chris Haynes? No, this is from Shamshrania. The New Orleans Pelicans are signing forward EJ uh, Lydell to a new three-year, $6.2 million deal with a team option in the third season. Lydell was on a two-way contract after suffering, after suffering a torn ACL in Summer League uh, last year. So, by, by the way, speaking of Summer League, I just want to say this, and I'll best believe I'll be talking about it tomorrow. Wimby debuts tomorrow night. How we feeling? How we feeling? Now, is it going to be a look into how good Wimby is going to be as an NBA potential superstar? No. We've seen guys destroy the summer league and be garbage NBA players. We've seen guys not look so hot in the summer league and be excellent NBA players. So it's not necessarily a look into, oh, he'll be good because he played well in the summer league. It's the summer league. It's not even NBA preseason. Most of those guys will not be on NBA rosters. So 
you have to factor that in as well. Oh, okay. John John has another suggestion. He says the Knicks are waiting for Embiid. Maybe. I'd be more prone to trade for Luka just because of availability, playoff performance. Uh, you know, unlike now Embiid has in recent years shown to take better care of his body, but I still not don't think not to the the level that he probably should because again, year after year after year, it's a soft tissue injury for Joel. Whereas Luca hasn't necessarily dealt with that issue. Maybe Luca's taking better care of his body than Embiid has in recent years. It's a possibility. I'm not it, it's I think Embiid is is more again, that trade package you probably have to include more. But I'm saying, and again, those a- those assets alone aren't going to get you Luka. They're not going to get you Embiid. You would probably have to include a player to the level of an R.J. Barra, of a Julius Randle if he's still with the franchise at that particular moment in time. I'm just saying they now have them. They didn't waste them on a guy who's going to be good for them for a year or two. With them not, again, the Knicks are getting better, but they're not going to be con- contending for a championship, barring a big move this year. So props to Leon Rose for that. Uh, by the way, something else too. I've seen a bunch of uh, photos from the from the from Michael Rubin. You know Michael Rubin, the fanatics guy, talking about uh, the party there. I, I swear, every <laughs> every celebrity was at this party. Beyonce and Jay Z were there, and you know the athletes were there. Tom Brady and Joe Burrow and Micah Parsons. Who else was there? You had. Uh, you had James Harden and Joel Embiid, which obviously 76ers, Ruben, uh, heavily involved with the Philadelphia 76ers. It's, I mean, because I'm just reading a report here uh, saying that uh, update, this is update, this is from uh, Dov Kleiman, who's very a very good person to follow to, to get the latest news on, on, you know, on the NFL. He says, this is update. Tom Brady and Kim Kardashian were, quote, Super flirty with each other at the July 4th white party. A source alleges the duo was seen during the day on the beach together and again dancing at night. An insider, curious who that is, claimed the retired NFL legend is exactly Kardashian's type. Well, that's news I didn't think I'd be getting on this Thursday afternoon. That's interesting. Tom Brady and Kim Kardashian might be a thing. That's interesting. Did not, did not, did not see that one coming. Because apparently they met at the, I don't know if they met, they saw each other at the, uh, at Michael Rubin's party. Never say never. You never say never. You know, both very successful. Kim K's a billionaire. Tom Brady probably going to be on his way there at some point, given his off, off the field endeavors. Listen, it's a power couple if I've seen one, if it is a real thing. So, super interesting. Speaking of the NFL, actually speaking of a team Tom Brady used to play for, as a matter of fact, this segment, ironically, it's funny that news just came in, sort of involves Tom Brady. So Michael Vick was on Tyreek Hill's podcast. And Michael Vick, by the way, who's become a a very good, very good NFL analyst. He's, he's been on Fox a lot. It's like he's, listen, we see former athletes that come in and, you know, being an on-air analyst isn't necessarily their thing. Listen, I guess because Michael Vick's a quarterback, that's that's kind of quarterback's lane. That's they tend to excel in those roles. But Vick's been outstanding. Um, breaks the game down well. What I think the best analysts do, they break the game down into a form where someone who doesn't even know that much about football can understand. Those to me are the best. John Madden did. That's what Tony Romo does. I think to a certain degree, it's what Michael Vick does. So he's shout out to him. He's he's done a fantastic job uh, with Fox and with other uh, media organizations. But he was on Tyreek Tyreek Hill's podcast, and he said this. He was talking about Andy Reid, and he said, "Quote: I was actually thinking this year, like after Andy won the Super Bowl, he's only got two, but he went to like four or five NFC Championship games, and every year the Chiefs were in the were in the AFC Championship game." He might be the greatest coach of all time. You don't have to win championships to be considered. You know, I understand Bill Belichick and Tom Brady and the whole dynamic. But Coach Reed did it in Philly. And then he did it and he's doing it in Kansas City. I'm always shouting out Coach. Like, I love that man to death. Like, for real. Literally, I'd do anything for him. And by the way, this is definitely not the first time we've heard Michael Vick just just constantly praising uh, Andy Reid. Obviously, we know the story where Vick had the the legal troubles uh, that landed him in prison. 
And when he came out, Andy Reid gave him that second chance in Philadelphia. I think Vic flourished. I don't think we talk about Michael Vick with the Falcons a lot because he was the remember the Michael Vick experience and all this, and he was the, this dynamic, uh, dynamic runner with the football as well as passer. But I think Andy Reid got the best from a pure quarterback talent perspective. I think Andy Reid got the absolute best out of a guy like uh, Michael Vick and, and gave him that second chance. So, uh, by the way, the, multiple players. I mean, it, it's incredible. The, the the guys from Philadelphia and Kansas City that just go on and on and on about Andy Reid. It speaks to the kind of coach, the kind of man that he is. And so, uh, I mean, I, I've heard numerous athletes like talk about him like he's like their father or something. So it's it's really heartwarming to see. But to his key point here, Belichick might be the greatest coach of all time. Well, not Bell. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Andy Reid might be the greatest coach of all time. Mr. Vic, and to everybody else watching and listening, I tend to agree. I certainly agree that he is above Belichick. To me, the greatest coach of all time, I've always said Bill Walsh is in that discussion. I think Bill Walsh is, is the greatest coach ever. You can talk about guys like Lombardi. You can talk about guys like Landry, guys like that. But Bill Walsh literally changed how offense is played. It's kind of like the thing I said about Steph Curry. When Steph Curry broke the three-point record uh, about a year and a half ago, I said Steph Curry has changed the way the game is played, coached, and analyzed. Bill Walsh did the same with the West Coast offense. Folks, four, five decades later, we still run the West Coast offense. Still, and it's still just as effective. His son, Kyle Shanahan, his son, uh, I was thinking about Mike Shanahan. Mike Shanahan ran the West Coast offense in Denver. Kyle Shanahan's run the West Coast offense right now with the 49ers and is doing a masterful job. I don't know if Andy Reid's necessarily the GOAT coach. But A, he can be, and B, he is undoubtedly above Belichick. He said, well, Bryson, timeout. Belichick won six Super Bowls. Belichick's been to God knows how many conference championship games. Belichick was, and probably still is, the best defensive mind of our time in the NFL. Yeah, but what about without Brady? Because we know with Andy Reid, yes, he's had a ton of success in the five years with Patrick Mahomes. He's won a couple of Super Bowls. He's been to another. every As, as Michael Vick alluded to, he's been to a conference title game with Mahomes every single year that Mahomes has been the, has been the starter. What about without Mahomes, though? And what about Brady without Belichick? Well, the numbers, as you would imagine, tell the story. Let's look at Andy Reid without Patrick Mahomes, shall we? Andy Reid, 19 NFL seasons in Philadelphia and Kansas City with no Patrick Mahomes in sight. His record is 183 and 120, by the way, with a tie in there. So he's won 60% of his games without Patrick Mahomes. In 19 seasons, he has been to the playoffs 13 times and has appeared in, as Vic alluded to, five conference title games. Belichick, on the other hand, without Brady, it's a little bit of a different tale. 10 seasons without Tom Brady. 79 and 88, that's a 47% win percentage. That is below 500. he He's been to the playoffs twice in 10 years with no Brady and has never appeared, never appeared in a conference title game without the greatest quarterback who ever did it. Not to mention as well, and this is important, we talk about great coaching trees. You compare Reed's and you compare Belichick's. And it's not even a contest. Reed has had guys like Harbaugh. Uh, J uh, John Harbaugh, by the way. Not, not Jim. John Harbaugh, who's now, of course, has been the head coach of the Ravens for a long time. Sean McDermott. Doug Peterson. A guy I think is the most underrated head coach and most one of the most overhated head coach in the NFL. Matt Nagy. Like, uh, and by the way, Eric Bieniemy. hopefully, hopefully, at some point, will get the opportunity he has earned to be a head coach in this league. What's Belichick's coaching tree looks like? You could argue Dable, but Dable left to go to a different destination, Buffalo. Actually went to Alabama, then Buffalo, then the New York Giants. Bill O'Brien, eh, he's, he's a middle-of-the-pack head coach, back as the offensive coordinator. Josh McDaniels, um, disaster. Romeo Cornell, eh, not great. 
who's the defensive coordinator who was their offensive coordinator last year? Um, uh, not Ninkovich. I'm thinking about the defensive lineman. Uh, oh my gosh. I'm blanking on pencil, pencil coach, Matt Patricia, Matt Patricia. How's, how was he as a head coach in Detroit? He was horrible. I rest my case. Not to mention again, Reed gets the, gets Patrick Mahomes at the end of his, at the end of, toward the tail end of Andy Reed's coaching career. Belichick got Brady right at the beginning. Had some years in Cleveland, obviously, in the 90s. But Belichick is, is in his early 70s now, so he was, he was in his 50s when he got Brady. So he had a long coaching career ahead of him. And for two decades, had to get got to have the greatest quarterback of all time. Andy Reid, just five years ago, after 19 seasons of no Patrick Mahomes, gets Patrick Mahomes as a starter. And now he gets to experience some of what Belichick has experienced. Not to mention, too, we talk about how I've talked about that. I way back in the day when I didn't have a show, I, you know, I get into arguments with people about Westbrook or Steph Curry, like, oh, Westbrook's this super duper athlete and is doing all this and triple doubles and oh my god. And I'm like, yeah, Westbrook's an athletic freak whose game is not going to age well at all. Why? Because he can't freaking shoot. Steph Curry can not. Steph Curry can shoot. Yeah, the sky's blue. Steph Curry's the greatest shooter of all time. Guys have changed how they play because of Steph Curry. Steph Curry is 35 years old and still the second best player minimum in all of basketball. Westbrook just signed a one-year deal for $4 million with the Los Angeles Clippers, which is his fourth team in four years. So with Andy Reid and with Bill Belichick, the game has now become more offensive than it's ever been. With the rule changes with the coaching, and with the quarterback play. And Belichick is still clinging to Mac Jones. Oh, Matt, listen, Mac, Mac, can, Mac can do this now. You know, Mac is like, a, he's a prototypical stand-in-the-pocket quarterback distributor, kind of like old Tommy was. Not except Tom had a much better arm. Tom was a much better uh, quarterback within the pocket and outside the pocket than Mac Jones is, a better leader and more coachable. Andy Reid's like, I don't care. Just give me a quarterback I can work with. I've worked with Donovan McNabb. I've worked with Nick Foles. I've worked with uh, uh, Michael Vick. I've worked with Alex Smith. I've worked with Patrick Mahomes. Doesn't matter. Just give me a quarterback I can make him work. I mean, remember a few years ago in the playoffs when Mahomes got hurt against the Browns and Chad Henney, anything is possible, came in the game and was throwing darts out there. It's like, Chad Henney never did this in Jacksonville. Yeah, with Andy Reid, he can do he can do just about anything. By the way, that's not to say, for the record, that's not to say that Patrick Mahomes is a product of Andy Reid. That's not to say, oh, Andy Reid made Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes would have been awesome anywhere. But because he has the best offensive coach in all football, it helps him become the best quarterback in all football. Of course, coaching is more important in, in football than I think any other sport with respect to baseball and certainly basketball. As the game has become more offensive, Plays right into Andy Reid's lane and straight out of Belichick's. In terms of coaching tree, Reid's far surpasses Belichick's. And in terms of what are they without their Hall of Fame level quarterbacks, it ain't close. One more time here. Andy Reid has won 60% of his games without Mahomes. In 19 seasons without old Patrick, has been to the playoffs 13 times and has been to five conference title games and a Super Bowl in which he actually lost to the Patriots in 2005. Belichick, on the other hand, has won 47% of his games without the GOAT. In 10 seasons without Brady, he's been in the playoffs twice and has zero conference title games to show for it. I don't know if we will look 10 years from now and be like, Andy Reid's the greatest coach ever. Not discounting that, we could. But he is certainly certainly surpassed Bill Belichick. I don't even think that's a, a debate. John Rivera, definitely a top five coach. You know what? I won't fight you on that. So I, I, again, no order here. I, Walsh to me is the GOAT. We got Walsh, Lombardi, Tom Landry. Then you have to start talking about guys like maybe Chuck Knoll in that discussion. Hmm, this is this is tough. Yeah, I think Andy Reid's going to have to be there. I think Andy Reid is 
See, Belter could catch Don Shula's all. Uh, Don Shula, yeah, Don Shula. Let's put him in that discussion. He's, I mean, guys, got more wins than anybody. He's, he's got to be in the top five. We're gonna have to do that segment one of these days, John. John, John, I think you might have just 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 flicked a light bulb in my head. I might have to do a segment like that. Who, who's you know, greatest coaches of all time? I've done greatest quarterbacks, but who's you know, greatest coaches? That's that sounds fun. Last segment of the show, and I got a lot to say about this one. Ellie De La Cruz. Very, very talented young player for the Cincinnati Reds. Has just played 25 games and is one of the most electrifying athletes in all sports. If it weren't for Shohei Otani, I'd say he's the most electrifying man in Major League Baseball. He is must-see TV. By the way, the Reds are on fire, for the record. Reds played the Nationals last night in our nation's capital. And when Ayla De-, De La Cruz went up to bat, he, uh, he has this little knob in the bat that Dave Martinez, the manager for the Washington Nationals, said, hey, we got to take a look at this. And they send the umpires out. Let's look at Ellie De La Cruz's bats. Let's see what's what's going on with this. And it's like, okay, there's 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 really there's there's nothing there's nothing there. There's nothing to nothing illegal about this bat. So Dave Martinez made a big nothing burger out of nothing. That same at bat, Ellie De La Cruz eviscerates a homer 455 feet. And Wait till you hear this. You just just clutch your clutch your pearls. He stood back for a minute. I'm watching the play right now. He not only he not only stood there for a couple of seconds and watched the homer as it left the ballpark. Oh, it's already too much to bear. He turned to the Nationals dugout, held up his bat, pointed to the knob, and then did his home run his home run uh, trot. Oh my. I don't know if I can ever watch baseball again. I don't know if I can ever watch uh, the Cincinnati Reds or Ellie De La Cruz after that. What he should have done. What makes it better? Dave Martinez, after the game, was asked about it. This was his answer. And I quote, I didn't like his antics. After he hit the home run, we can do without that. He's only got two weeks in the big leagues, but he's going to be a good player, end quote. I didn't like his antics after the home run. First of all, he watched it for a couple of seconds. Secondly, he's only reacting to what you called out. So you can call out, hey, I think there's something up with his bat. There's nothing wrong with his bat, according to the umps. Then De La Cruz bombs a homer to right field, points to the knob on his bat that you called into question, and you're offended by it. Please explain to me how that makes sense. Not to mention, this isn't just any manager. This isn't just any Major League Baseball manager. This is Dave Martinez we're talking about. Dave Martinez. God, I wish I had the tape for the show today. I wish I had the tape to play on here. Who, during a game just a week or so ago, week or two ago, was protesting a strike call. Now, by the way, he was right. It was, it was the, the ball was not a strike. He goes up to the ump, argues as a manager does. If he doesn't like a call, he gets tossed out of the game. Whatever. We see that all the time. And Martinez literally gets on his stomach. Is lying, it's just lying down on, on his on his stomach and like pointing to the area that 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 uh the ump called the strike and is brushing up home plate and <laughs> but he's saying Ellie de la Cruz was displaying antics and said we can do without that. Oh uh, yeah. I can't this is the part about I love baseball. I really do. It's, it's the first sport that I ever fell in love with. It's this part about baseball that literally drives me bananas. So I can basically try to embarrass you in front of 
well, I shouldn't say a full ballpark. There was a lot of empty seats at the, at the Nationals ballpark. But in front of all these 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 kind people who went out to see a, a good old baseball game in July, I show you up, embarrass you, call out the umps to look at your bat. You hit a 455-foot jack. And you don't get to celebrate just a little bit? Come on, Dave Martinez. Be better. This is coming from you especially, given your... We want to talk about antics. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about antics. Bro, you get ejected every other week. <laughs> you, you know, you're you're out there, you know, laying down like a... Like a cat about to take a nap, brushing off home plate, pointing to strike zones, <laughs> and the kid can't watch the ball fly into the into the the DC night sky for a couple seconds and point to his his bat, the same bat that you claimed falsely was illegal. <sighs> I gotta. Oh my! I just I can't. I. Mm. Baseball's unwritten rules, folks. If they continue, and it it seems to be, we seem to sort of be moving away from it, which is good. It's going to kill the sport if we cling to this. Just throwing this out. Has has anybody watching or listening watched? It's not a good time now because the season's unfortunately over. But has anybody here watched college women's softball? Obviously, you got Oklahoma just just. Just destroying people out there. Anybody watch college softball? If you haven't, just Google a college softball home run. Doesn't matter what team, what game, whatever the case may be. Hit, see a young lady hit a homer into left field, for example, and see how she reacts and how her teammates in the dugout react. They are understandably very excited. Right, she's pumping her fist. Yeah, let's go. Rounding the bases, comes to the plate. The whole dugout mobs her, excited. Kind of like when an NFL player scores a touchdown and dances a little bit, a little bit. Kind of like when uh, an NBA player hits a clutch shot and is pumping his fist and 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 you know beating his chest or whatever the case may be. Kind of like when a soccer player scores a goal and does a victory lap around the whole dang stadium. A baseball player is supposed to. Just hit a homer after a manager just showed you up, by the way, nonetheless. And just uh, just quietly just round the base. Not, by the way, I want to put this out there. I'm not criticizing those that do. You're Mike Trout's the world, you know, who's used to this, the whole act like you've been there before stuff. You know, he, 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 he's used to this. You know, he, he's going to round the bases, just calm, chill, whatever. If that's If that's not your brand to be excited, exuberant, then don't be anything that you're not. But this, I saw the situation last night. I'm thinking, coming from him, that's funny. I needed a good laugh. I needed a good laugh, and Dave Martinez provided it. Patrick Brown in the comments, Nat's manager was petty for that one. You think? <laughs> you think? I just got, can I read this quote one more time? I didn't like the antics after he hit the home run. We can do without that. He's only got two weeks in the big leagues. Yeah, just, just. <sighs> These unwritten rules in baseball, man. Just go away. Please. Just need them to. There's nothing wrong with celebrating, guys. It's part of why it's part of why folks claim baseball is so boring. By the way, we've seen it in golf too. Guys win a guys win a major. Tiger in particular. Pop his fist. Let's go. Maybe throw out a few swear words. I don't know. But baseball players, oh, you're supposed to calmly. Don't don't change your expression now. Basically, Kawhi Leonard yourself around the bases. Come home, go to the dugout. Yeah, high five some people. Okay, cool. It's over. I don't know. That won't bother me. All right, that's all for the time for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by. As always, be sure to catch Carving It Up Live tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. And be sure to like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day. Hit that big red subscribe button. It helps the channel grow exponentially. And be sure to go subscribe to the Grid Network. 
That is G-R-Y-D, The Grid Podcast Network, right here on YouTube and anywhere you get your podcasts, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, any and everywhere you get your favorite podcast. Wimby debuts in the Summer League tomorrow night. Looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. Spurs, Hornets, by the way, he's playing against Brandon Miller, who's kind of struggling a little bit in the Summer League. But again, I don't... I don't judge these top prospects based on how they play in the summer league. I want to see them play actual NBA players, no disrespect to the summer leaguers, in, in October, November, December, and moving forward from that. But very excited to see Wimby on an, a summer league court. By the way, the game's been sold out in Las Vegas. So very, very exciting. Tomorrow night at 9 Eastern. We'll talk more about that and other topics in the world of sports tomorrow at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific time. Hope everybody has a great evening. Please continue to stay safe. Please be sure to take care of your physical as well as your mental health. And please, please, please be sure to contact your local state representatives and senators to demand change for gun violence in America. Have a great evening, everybody. Please stay safe out there. God bless you all. Peace out. Good job, Nicks. Good job. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.